Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Ray, what are you doing this Friday, by the way? Um, as far as I know, at the moment, I don't have any plans. Tomorrow, there's the uh, celestial event, which will go unspoken because you don't want to hear about it. Thursday, right. the Eagles preseason uh, against the Dolphins here in town. But Friday, Ray... The Seahawks play the Kansas City Chiefs, host the Kansas City Chiefs in preseason. Why would you care about that other than you watch football? Well, the reason is because it is the debut of the CBS Broadcasting A-team of Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Oh, okay. So you get to watch Tony Romo move from uh, quarterback to first-string broadcaster. How about that? And if I may say, yes, I'm rooting for him to be a waste of a failure. <laughs> Is this uh, is is this because you don't like him, or you just it's his connection to the uh, to America's team? Yes, and yes, and keep going. Oh, okay. What what could there be beyond that? Well, merit, you know. And we we have a couple of really nice guests sitting with us today: Michael uh, Christian and Carl Schaefer, two right. great guys who bid in a uh, charity auction to hang out with us today. Right. Boy, do they not get their money's worth. Anyway. Um, well, they and, seem to be enjoying themselves. Yeah, they're doing okay. And we were talking during the break uh, about how, you know, Roma got the job. So I just kind of looked up the schedule, and I see he's going to do his first thing. And, and one of those astute gentlemen said, how did he merit being on the first string team at CBS? Mm-hmm. You know, most former players get hired to be broadcasters. You start with, hey, guess what? This week you're doing Jacksonville at uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. Right. Have fun. Mm-hmm. You do a good job next year. You'll be on the B team. You good do a good job after that. You'll be doing the guy doing prime time. Mm-hmm. This Jamoke moves from being you know that goofy hate the face guy doing football, and now all of a sudden he's there on the big stage. Yeah, it ain't right, Ray. It's not right. Well, you're not alone in thinking that. I mean, there are a lot of people that felt that. Uh, wait a minute, what's what's the deal here? I mean, first of all, you bump you bump Phil Sims out of the booth, and I know Phil had his critics, but. I mean, he had he had been the number one guy at CBS for a long time, uh, and they very unceremoniously shoved him out the door to bring Tony Romo in. Uh, Phil never saw it coming, obviously, and he kind of made that clear in in his exit interviews. He said, "You know, I've, he wasn't he wasn't the guy that took one for the team here. I mean, he made it clear that he felt he got shafted." Uh, and so Tony walks into a position where I think a lot there's a lot of resentment. I think there's going to be an awful lot of scrutiny, and I think there are people that are going to be wanting to criticize. They're going to be looking for things to criticize with him. Now, I, I among them. <laughs> Rest assured. Well, for, for what it's worth, you're not going to be alone. And um, they, they have done, he and Nance have, have had a couple of practice games. Like they've gone to a couple of the preseason games, and they've, you know, they have called them as if they were broadcasting, but they've just been taped. And then they've sat down with network execs and, coaches and other people and just sort of tried to point out some things we could be better on this you could do better on that so but this is the first time he's actually going to do one live on the air i see i don't think tony's going to be very good glenn i mean he's he's a nice fella really i I interviewed him a number of times over the years he's he's engaging 
Uh, it's got a little bit of a sense of humor, but I just don't know. I, he tends to be he tends to be kind of wordy. You know, when you ask him a question, he gives kind of long, winding answers, and that's hmm. and that's not good on television. Hmm. Now I'm sure they've put him together with some some coaches and some you know broadcast people that are that are that are good teachers of this stuff to try and rein him in and tell him you know how to go about this, but. It's going. I, I don't envy him because there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be sitting there because they don't like the Cowboys, because they don't like him, because they don't think he merits this, because they can't understand why he got this job, and are just going to be listening to everything he says and looking for something to criticize. I think he's in a tough spot. I like that last minute that you spoke there. That was I'm good. sure you do. That was good. <laughs> I hope he just is a disaster. Hey, a couple quick Eagles notes. One, Nick Foles is practicing today. Right. Good. So That's no sooner than we speak of it that, you know, hopefully all is well. And uh, hopefully we get to see him a little bit on Thursday against the Dolphins. Yeah, he needs, he needs to get a little action. Yeah, absolutely. And What do you want to see from Wentz? You want to see him at least play the first half? I, I would like to. Yeah, I hope uh, he does too. I want to see him connect with Alshon Jeffrey. I want to see him connect with... Uh, your guy, Nelson Aguilar. I want to see Torrey Smith catch a pass. It'd be nice to see him catch a pass. Yeah, yeah that would be a good start. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, a half from full. Let me read it this way. A half or two scoring drives, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. Considering they're scoring about 10 points a game in the preseason. That'd yeah. That'd be good. I'd like to see him play the half. I really would. I'd like to see him play a half. I think I think they need to work. They need Because you know he's not going to play against the Jets, right? And... And that game with the Redskins is right around the corner. I mean, he needs some work. I mean, I think he needs to play at least a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just hope, it's a good, just hope it's a good half. Uh, Derek Barnett apparently sitting today. What do we got, Jack? We got lower body injury? The, the NFL is becoming the NHL now. Lower body injury I, I apparently doesn't sound serious. I don't want anybody to get alarmed by this. Um, and the Eagles have been doing an interesting thing. Off of Barnett having two very good preseason games, which appears to be they are aiming to lower expectations a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is for the purpose of the fans. I I don't know if it's just for him himself, but they're kind of trying to slow the roll a little bit. Right. Uh, And his position coach comes out yesterday and says, yeah, we don't know that he's ready for first string yet. Uh, You know, Vinny Curry's still got his spot, but let's see how it plays out. What do you think's the strategy there? Um, It it might be that they... They don't want to get into a uh, a situation where people are, are are putting a whole lot of emphasis on the starting lineup. That you know that the guys that are out there on the first snap of the game that these are our starters and the other guys are are second stringers because that's not the way that's not the way the Eagles play their defensive linemen and that's really not the way a whole lot of teams in the NFL play their defensive linemen. Now it's a very it's a very fluid situation unlike the offensive line where you want those guys to play every snap of the game the defensive line they just keep rolling guys through all the time and substitute you have your base defense you have your nickel defense you have your pass rush specialists and then there's rotation on top of that the defensive line combinations change from series to series and sometimes from down to down so I don't think they want people reading too much into whether Barnett is out there first down first game of the season I think they just kind of want to make it look like yeah, everybody's going to play, and I think that's the way they're going to approach it. But at the end of the year, when you count up the snaps, I think if this kid plays healthy, I'd be willing to bet you by the end of the year he plays more snaps than Vinny Curry. I think he will. Sacks is t- are tough to predict, right? 
mm-hmm. because it's it's not like you're going to it's not like we're debating whether Nelson Aguilar is going to have 45 50 catches but sacks the number the sample size is small um if I gave you an over under of six and a half for Derek Barnett his rookie year, where would you go with that? Six and a half. I would probably say uh, over. Okay. I, I I I would probably stop short of if if you had said like ten, if you had gone double digits, I probably would have said under. But six and a half seems achievable. I I think he could be a seven or eight guy because I think he's going to get that many opportunities, and I also think he's that good. And and I think he's going to get better as the season goes along because I think he's what I'm seeing with him now, like the, the coaches are working with him and he's developing more moves. I mean he's he's developing some moves now, counter moves and some and he's willing to come to the inside and his spin move is getting better. I think he's improving from week to week. He's already very good, but I see him improving technique and learning new things. So um, I think he's going to be a handful and I know he's going to play a lot. So if you're going to set six and a half, I would say over on that. Okay. Uh, I believe if you don't count Reggie White, I believe the Eagles' record for sacks by a rookie is nine and a half by Corey Simon. Okay, got a shot? Yeah, I think, I think I I, I don't think it's out of the question. Um, wow, nine and a half, huh? That's pretty good for a rookie defensive tackle. Yeah, you know, well, Corey normally, Simon was a good player. Normally, yeah, he was a good player. I mean, and normally you're you're looking for your sacks to come from the outside, from the edge players. For a rookie tackle to get nine and a half sacks, that's that's pretty good. If you remember, Corey Simon got a sack on his first snap. No, the first the first snap of the first game was that brutally hot day down in Dallas. The Deuce Staley two hundred yard games, the oh, pickle juice game. That was, a, that was one of the greatest games ever. Yeah, I'm sure you enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> Dave Campo didn't enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, that was the onside kick game. That was the onside oh, kick God, game. Oh God, that was that was like all of a sudden Andy Reid. Like became a coach. Deuce went. Deuce went for like two hundred. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. I think. Trot intercepted a pa- an Aikman pass and ran it back for a touchdown. Oh. But the game, the game started, well, there was the onside's kick, which Eagles recovered. But the first snap that the Cowboys actually had, the first offensive snap, Corey Simon sacked Troy Aikman. That was how the season started. One of nine, he, nine and a half he oh, had that year, yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize he had that many, but that's, that's, Franchise a, record. that's a good rookie year. Sure is. All right, let's go to the phones, talk to Brian. You're on 94 WIP. How you doing, guys? Uh, before I talk about the Eagles' schedule, I, I, if the Jets don't sign Kaepernick, I'll be surprised. And I, I heard your comment about the Brooklyn, Brooklyn police. They must be Jet fans because the Jets have a dire need well, for quarterback. Hackenberg I, and Petty are not the guys. I don't know if you watched any of that yesterday. I, I just saw people post the <laughs> highlights, lowlights on Twitter. Ray, you were talking during the uh, break about H- Hackenberg. Hackenberg, he was just awful. God, he was awful. They played the Lions in Detroit, and um, I don't know that it was sort of a surprise. They hadn't really said that he was going to start. Uh, but he started, and he just looked—he looked dreadful. Uh, I mean, he couldn't move the team at all. Um, and, and the sack—he he gave up a sack where he took a sack and he fumbled, and it was—and it was clearly his fault. I mean, it's—that's a, a play where he has to change the protection because they changed the defensive front, and a guy moved over, and that's something the quarterback—he has to make the call to make sure that guy's accounted for. And if he's not, then he's got to get rid of the ball quicker. And he did neither of those things. He took a hit, fumbled the ball, and it was, it was bad. I mean, for some of the people in New York that have been pushing for, they want to see more of Hackenberg. I don't think they're saying that today because last night he looked like a kid that's not even close to being ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, and, and the comment on on the schedule, they have a, a kind of a quirk in the schedule. They play every West Coast team this year. I, I, that's got to be a first. Of course, three of them 
or out on the West Coast, I'm going to go to one of those games. But the two in Southern California are, are almost going to be like a home game because there's very little uh, support for the Rams, and certainly even uh, a smaller amount for the, the Chargers. So I think from a fan support standpoint, unlike Seattle where, you know, there's no question, uh, L.A. Uh, for both the Chargers uh, game in that mm-hmm. small stadium and uh, the Coliseum, I think they'll have a lot of uh, a lot of Eagle fans there, I think. So that should change the dynamic a little bit, I would think. Maybe. May it may I, I, they're going to thanks uh, Brian they're going to alleviate the travel part of it by staying on the West Coast if, in that December stretch they play in Seattle and then they're going to stay out there for a week and train out there in the week before they play the Rams the following week at the Coliseum um, but the first trip out to the coast is the one to play the Chargers uh, I'm going to be really it's it's going to be kind of interesting to see a game played in that stadium. I mean, they're playing in that tiny little stadium. Yeah, they got 24,000 for the first preseason game. Yeah, it's, it it's only seats 30,000. I mean, when's the last time the NFL played regular season games in a 30,000-seat stadium? When the Patriots played at Fenway for a while? Probably. Right, before they built Schaefer Stadium? Probably, but that's where they're going to be for a couple of years so they can build, uh, build the stadium in L.A., but that's where the Chargers are going to be. Uh, I think that's, I mean, I know why they did it and it's television market. It's about other things, right? And it's LA and they'll build a big stadium. But I, I, that, you know, one of my pet peeves is when teams move, right? I I think it's a horrible thing to do to fans unless you really have a basis that the fans are not supporting you. San Diego supported pro football for more than 50 years. And as far as I know, did it pretty well. They supported that team really well. Right. A team, by the way, that like the Eagles has never won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Those fans have stuck, stuck with them for all those years. And then they just abandon them. And I hate that. And I can't imagine that either of those two teams is going to become to Los Angeles, what the Chargers were in San Diego and what the Raiders were in Oakland. Oh, that I they'll, think they'll true. never have that depth of following. They won't. Because the people in L.A., and it sounds like I'm just, it, it sounds like I'm just knocking L.A. for the sake of knocking L.A., and I, I don't mean to, but L.A. is not a great pro football town. It's just not. And in the years when they, they didn't have a team, the uh, L.A. Times did a poll. I mean, do you, do you want pro football back in Los Angeles? 60% of the people said no. Right. They have pro football. They got USC. They got USC, and then they also, because they didn't have a team, they got the best network every week. They got the best games televised into Los Angeles. So there, the people said, well, why we're getting the best games on TV now. You give us a team that moves here, a lousy team, and the Rams are going to be a lousy team. Well, now we're stuck watching them. We'd much rather just be watching the best games every weekend. So the people in Los Angeles were perfectly happy not having a team. So this idea that, oh, boy, this people in L.A. are really excited to get pro football back. No, they're not. And they're only going to support these teams if they're good, if they win. Then the fans will come. But if they're not, and I'm t- the Rams aren't going to be that good, that's L.A. Coliseum's going to be empty. Or in the case of a game like where the Eagles go out there, you're going to have a whole bunch of fans from the other team so. filling the stadium. I hope so. I'm sure it will. 888-729-9494. That is Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now. It is hot outside, and if your home's A.C. isn't doing the job it should, well, it's time to get it checked. Be cool. Call on Adam Mechanical Heating and Air Conditioning, the experts for 15 years. Adam Mechanical is built upon being trustworthy, whether making sure your current unit runs to its best or helping you to find a new one with honest upfront pricing and, listen to this part, 0% financing for five years. If you live in Delco or Montgomery County, be cool. Go to adammechanical.com or call 484-275-0700. 
That's 484-275-0700. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. I'm Joe Altamonte. Eagles wrapping up workouts today as they set their sights on the Miami Dolphins in Game 3 of the preseason. Good news for the struggling offensive line. As Jason Peters was back on the field today, the Birds and Dolphins will hold joint workouts this week ahead of their exhibition. Coach Doug Peterson says tomorrow's workout will be in full pads. He also shared Derek Barnett has a lower body injury, and he is listed as day-to-day. More on that as it becomes available. A couple of preseason games on the schedule today as the Falcons visit the Steelers at 4, and the Chargers host the Saints at 8 o'clock. After ending a six-game skid with the Phillies now with a chance to earn a split of their four-game set with the Giants, Bill's offense busting out in a 12-9 win last night. And while the offense excelled, manager Pete McCannon says not so much for the starting pitching. Eikhoff didn't have good command. You know, 90 pitches in, in, in the fifth inning. Uh, just didn't have good command tonight. Um, Miller did a real good job. Morgan did a nice job getting out of that inning, and uh, so did uh, Terry. And, of course, Nares got the save. So, Bills and Giants today at 4.05 here on 94 WIP as Ben Lively gets the start back from AAA Lehigh Valley. CBS 3 Eyewitness weather, sunny and nice today, high 87. Slightly muggy, clear tonight, low 69, 83 degrees now in Philadelphia. I'm Joe Altamonte. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour for breaking news and scores. Go to CBSPhillySports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, Ray, I promised you I was not going to discuss a certain thing again. And I'm not. (laughs) But you are already. No, I'm not going to say a word. The music speaks for itself. Yeah, sure does. I'm going to only hand you something, and you, Ray Didger, can decide if this is worth it or not to bring it to the attention of our of our list. Okay? Uh-huh. Whoops. I just shrunk the picture. Jeez, oh, hold on. Just hand shrunk the it. screen. Yeah, here you go. Attention. All pet parents, please keep all pets inside next Monday, August 21st. There will be a total solar eclipse in the early afternoon. Any pet that looks up can suffer from... Retinal damage up to and including blindness. See, I told you. That's one thing you told me. Well, no, I told you that's one of the things I was concerned about. I was, you know, I was thinking about taking my dog for a walk, taking my bulldog for a walk, but I'm afraid to take him out there. If he looks up, he's liable to go blind. There's another reason. It's another reason not not to get involved in this. Not to support this. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Just thought that warning is something that I hadn't considered that maybe you, as a pet lover, wanted to share with the people. Well, I, I not in a totally negative fashion that you did but there you have it well that's but it's I, it's certainly worth thinking about it's certainly worth uh, telling people about that there is the same risk that exists for humans exists for exists for any pets too although they're probably smart enough not to stare at this i don't know i don't know what they'll think you know i mean they may just think like oh it's dark it just got dark it's yeah. time to go to sleep yeah i All mean right. I, I i would guess that promise you i wouldn't discuss it i'm not discussing it when are you going over to see uh, Katie Fallinger and getting your glasses? ASAP. Uh, I'm sure you are. Don, you're on 94 WIP. Yeah. Uh, hi. I always, hi. I always enjoy listening to you guys, especially during football season. Hey, on, on, the, uh, on the sun real quick. Uh, the problem is UV light and the, with the eclipse, uh, your eyes don't hurt from looking at the sun. Therefore, you stare at the sun too long, and the UV light burns your your retina. That's 
kind of what happens. I think that's what the the weather lady you had on uh, before right. said. Katie Fellinger, who was excellent. Yes, I yeah, think you're yeah. exactly correct. Um, anyway, uh, I called about Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are missing the point on Kaepernick, and you guys were kind of leading into it. He can't run a normal NFL offense. He needs a special offense, and you guys said, like, he had a chance maybe at um, Seattle. Seattle. Um, yeah, no, that is a factor. and there, there, I think we did say this. There are several factors at play, one being the politics of the whole thing, well, I, being, I, hold on. Let me finish. Start. One being, let okay. me finish. One being that teams, when it's a backup quarterback, just don't want anything that's going to be uh, make waves out of the norm. But the other being, he does not run a traditional NFL offense. Exactly. And that offense, which was supposed to take over the whole league five years ago, Ron Jaworski told me that he's going to be the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. Well, that didn't catch on. Remember Archie? Great gosh, Ray. You remember Robert well, Griffin the third? I'm taking your stuff. Go ahead. You go ahead, Don. Right into my point. Yeah. If it were Kaepernick's politics, you could argue, in his politics only, you could argue that RG3 would have a job. RG3 was as good as Kaepernick, right? Well, a few years back. RG3 hadn't done well, anything. He's been hurt was, the last few years. Kaepernick was, was good a few years back, too. Kaepernick had RG3, a better year last year than you, than you think. What's RG3 doing? Probably recuperating. I think RG three. I think it was. I think it was injuries that that kind of ended it for him. But but your point is not invalid. The league was going to go to this offense. Mm-hmm. Ray, you talk about a flash in the pan idea. That was it. Well, you and I talked about it a lot at the time. The idea that this was you know that we were seeing a change in in the basic structure of offensive football, and this was the wave of the future, and this was the way the game was going to be played, and. I, and I remember telling you at the time, I don't think so. I, I just think that an offense like that, in a, in a league where the premium is on protecting the quarterback, I mean, everything you do now is about protecting the quarterback, the way you draft players, the way you pay offensive tackles, the way the rules are in, are in place and enforced. It's all about protecting the quarterback. And all of a sudden, now you bring in this offense where it's the exact opposite, and the quarterback is at risk every time he runs a play. Well, to me, it just it just didn't make any sense. And I thought I thought it could have short term success, just because it was so different. Yeah. But I had no doubt that over time the defenses would figure it out, and the way they would figure it out would be that okay, we're just going to break this thing down, and we're going to attack the quarterback. And once we attack the quarterback, then they don't really have a passing game to fall back on. Boom. It's it's pretty simple. And. That's what all of that whole new wave of guys that people brought in, that they thought these are going to be the next wave of great quarterbacks. Well, once that offense went away, then they couldn't play the conventional game. Yeah, who was that guru, the guy who, gosh, I remember, it was an older guy who there were all these stories at the time about he's like the inventor of this thing. You don't remember his name. The read option? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there, if there was one guy. Yeah, well, there was one guy who got a lot of attention at the beginning for of and then... You know, it came it it came and went yeah. as you predicted. Yeah, that's that that's true. And if you watch Kaepernick, if you watch Kaepernick now, he still he still has real difficulty playing in the pocket. He just does. He's more he's much better, much more comfortable and effective when he's on the run, and he only has to read half the field. If he has to stay in the pocket, scan the whole field, and go through what they call progressions, boom, boom, one, one, two, three, four. He just doesn't have. 
He just doesn't have the patience for it. He's mm-hmm. never been coached to play it. And most of the offenses in the NFL now, that's what they want in their quarterback, be he a starter or a backup. And Kaepernick has never really developed those skills. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would have to be an offense that's built that way, and there just aren't many of them out there. Yep. Let's go to Big E. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, guys. How are you? We're good. How are you show. doing? Thank you. I am the arbiter of all things solar eclipse, but you can't use that word, right, Glenn? I don't know what Ray, you're speaking of. I'm thinking of a – I'm a music teacher by trade. been doing it many years, very versed in the arts. It's a song by uh, Johann Strauss. It's called Also Sprock Zarathustra, which means thus spoke Zarathustra. 2001 A Space Odyssey. That, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Sure. So, so Glenn, I thought you were going to do this song, Total Eclipse. Eclipse of the Sun. It was a big one in the 90s. A total Eclipse Absolute. of the Heart. Of the Absolute. Heart, excuse me. So, Ray was wearing a leisure suit when that song came out, I believe. <laughs> oh, probably I was too. In any event, <laughs> instead of mentioning the word, which Ray doesn't like, I love Ray, I love you. Um, just I talked to your Mr. Producer. He's great. I said, just bring it up. And every time you want to say the word, hit the button and goes. You got that one in there, Jack? Hold on. Let me see if we got it. Yes. A a great song that, of course, was, I think, most remembered from 2001, Mm -hmm. which which took that song by Strauss that, I mean, I'm sure it was popular among aficionados of orchestra music, but it kind of made it popular among everybody. Pop culture, yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Anyway, you got that? He's looking for it. I thought you. I thought you said we weren't going to talk about the eclipse anymore. And yeah, all of that I didn't is mention it. I have not mentioned it once. Yeah, but you're going to callers are talking about it, Ray. The callers talk about what they want to talk about. Hey, yeah. I don't censor callers, Ray. Yeah, you Everyone's do. I see you free do it every to come week. <laughs> well, certain callers, you know. <laughs> you and I have a policy. I'll just tell people what it is. Uh, well, hold on. Let's hear this first. You know what? I'm definitely going to fire this up tomorrow between 1.20 and 4 o'clock. I'm sure you are. Come on. How great will that be? Uh, awesome. The monkeys attacking the wall in the movie. You remember that. Yeah. Did you understand that movie ever? No. Me neither. I didn't like and it. I've, you didn't like it? No. Well, it did it, 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 it did nothing for me. How can you like something you don't understand? I Because it was beautiful. Anyway, nonetheless. Um, you, you say stuff like this, and then you say, I'm the strange one. Oh, because I like 2001? Yeah. Which many people regard as one of the best movies ever made, particularly science fiction. Yes, I'm the odd one. I like a movie that people like. Um, I, don't know, I was going to say something pithy here. Oh, why we don't take certain callers. Okay. Right? We'll put our cards on the table. Okay. If there are, there are callers that you and I hear on this radio station every single day, mm-hmm. you and I kind of decided a while ago, we just don't really need to take those callers. They come on during the day. They come on with Howard. They come on with Sonny. They come on all the time. Uh, there used to be a, um, a policy at this station that you were supposed to be on once a week or once on the week, once on the weekend. That was that was the old rule, yeah. Once during the week, once on the weekend. They The station management, and I appreciate it, gave uh, hosts more discretion on take who you want when you want. Mm-hmm. It's your show, do what you think is right. And I appreciate that. I also think that original policy was a pretty good policy. 
If a caller comes on and I've already heard him twice this week and I know what he's going to talk about, I don't need to hear him. Mm-hmm. So you and I have kind of recently moved toward, if we hear you enough, we'll wait to hear you later in the week. Yeah, and a lot of it just depends on what do you do you want to talk about something that's, that we're talking about. You know, if, if we have one theme that's going and we've got a lot of interesting callers, we want to go in that direction. You know, so it's all, it's all in the interest of trying to put together a, a more stimulating and diverse show. That's what we try to do every week. We aim for it. Well, sometimes we get a little sidetracked by things like the eclipses. Look at you. By the way, the guy's name, and thanks to our old friend Brian Startari, Chris Alt was the guy at the University of Nevada who a lot of people give credit for being the architect of that offense. Well, Nevada's where uh, Kaepernick came from. 888-729-9494. 888-729-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now. Special segment coming up right at the end. You don't want to go anywhere uh, because we got something important to talk about. Hey, this is Glenn Mack now. If you've got prostate cancer, you should know about CyberKnife. CyberKnife uses painless precision in the fight against prostate cancer without surgery. Just five CyberKnife treatments instead of 40 daily treatments saves you time. Find out more online at phillycyberknife.com. That's Philly. Cyberknife.com. It's your prostate, your cancer. It's your choice. This was a paid announce advertisement from Philadelphia Cyberknife, a service of Delaware Valley Memorial Hospital. Sports Radio 94, WIP 2020 Sports. Uh, Joe Altamonte, Eagles with bonus workout today, adding a 10 o'clock practice ahead of their week with the Dolphins. Miami coming to town tomorrow ahead of the preseason game on Thursday. To get in a few days of joint practices, Coach Doug Peterson says defense was a bright spot against the Bills last Thursday. I thought the first defense actually really played extremely fast, played well, uh, created some turnovers for us offensively, uh, did a nice job You know, at the start of that football game. They got 25 snaps and, and, and did a nice job. Jason Peters and Ron Brooks returned to practice today, but Peterson says Derek Barnett day-to-day with a lower body injury and should be fun. A couple of preseason games on the slate today as the Falcons visit the Steelers at 4 o'clock, Chargers and Saints at 8. Phillies looking to follow a six-game slide with a winning streak as they look for a split against the Giants at San Francisco this afternoon. Ben Lively gets the start after being recalled from AAA Lehigh Valley. Ty Kelly's grand slam led a 13-hit barrage in a 12-9 win last night. Game time today. On 94 WIP is set for 405. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather Sunshine today. Nice high 87. A little bit muggy tonight. Clear. Low 69. 82 degrees now in Philadelphia. I'm Joe Altamonte. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour. For breaking news and scores, go to CBSPhillySports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack now, Rob Cherry and Hollis Thomas come on up at 1 o'clock. Let me get uh, Rich in here, and then i got something to talk to Ray about. Rich, you're on 94 WIP. Hi, Ray. We, we, my wife and I saw your play last night, and it, it was just wonderful. What brought back – Tommy McDonald was my favorite player at that time, too, and I, I, it was just a great, great play. I, we loved it. Oh, good. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you had a good time. The, the the thing I have was thinking about after the play is, do you think Richie Allen still has a chance to get into the whole baseball hall thing? I would like to think so. Um, I'm I'm not real optimistic. I know uh, two years ago there was a real um, there was a real concerted effort to get Dick in, and um, I know Stan Hockman 
who was then alive, uh, you know, really pushed for it, wrote a couple of really mm-hmm. strong pieces about it. Uh, there were a couple guys on the Veterans Committee that got behind it in a big way. I know Jim Bunning uh, mm-hmm. got up and spoke very passionately uh, for Dick Allen. And if you remember, he came within one vote. He, yeah. He came within, he missed by one vote. Uh, and now, you know, now Stan is gone, Jim Bunning's gone, and I just don't know if anybody else is going to take up the cause. I, I, I really kind of felt that that was going to happen for him that year, and when it didn't, I, I, kind, of, I kind of fear the window might have closed. Yeah, it was so close. It was, it was tough. He was, he was my favorite Philly back then. I, I, I just loved to watch him mm-hmm. hit those balls. It was Bob Gibson fastballs over the Valentine sign in, in right center. Legendary with the big bat. I I never saw him play live. You know, I saw him on TV when I was a little kid. Uh, but from everything I've been told, nobody hit him farther, harder than than he did. I would say that's true. Uh, and the amazing thing is, he wasn't that big a guy. You know, he was he was you know five eleven, you know, one hundred and eighty five pounds maybe. I mean, he wasn't a big, massive guy. But he just had, you know, he had just incredible timing and great wrists and hands. And uh, when he connected, boy, the ball just exploded off his bat. I mean, they talk a lot today about the hitters in baseball and that exit velocity, the the, the ball coming off the bat. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen what Dick Allen's was. I mean, it was there was nobody in his era that hit the ball as hard as he did, and he hit some home runs at County Mac Stadium that I saw that were just, I mean, it just it just made your jaw drop. I mean, so the power that he had clearing that left field pavilion over the Coca Cola sign, like the gentleman just said or hitting him out like a line drive straight to dead center field over the 447 sign where the batting practice cage was. I mean, he he was one of the most amazing raw power hitters I ever saw. All right, Ray, um, at the end of this show, I'm actually going to go out and, and have a little lunch with my wife and some friends, and then I will be heading over to Theater Exile to catch the last running for this year of Tommy and Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our audience is pretty familiar that you wrote this play a couple years back, first time you had ever written a play. Right. A real project from the heart about your relationship with Tommy McDonald from when you were a kid and when you were adult and him getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, I had the privilege of reading it after you wrote it. You gave it to me to take a look along with a few other people. I had the privilege of seeing it when you did the first hand in script reading. Right. I went to see it last year. I'm going to see it this year. I am honored that you've asked me to do the um, audience talkback, audience cast talkback at the end. But I just, I know how mu- how near and dear this is to your and how much work you have put into this thing. You're finishing a 17, a sold out 17 show run. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Uh, wistful. <laughs> wistful. Uh, I, um. I'm I'm thrilled that the that the play was as successful as it was. Uh, I really wondered after the run that we had last year. We had 12 performances last year. We sold them all out. They decided they wanted to come back and do it again this year at the same theater, Fringe Arts, uh, and do it again for 17 performances. And I I said, geez, I I don't know. We sold out 12 performances last year. I I don't know if you're going to be able to sell out 17 because, I mean, you had all those folks saw it before. Are they going to come back? Well, what we found out was. Yeah, they came back. I mean, they came back in huge numbers, and and now they came back and they were bringing people with them. You know, people that went to see it last year, they came back and said, "No, I came back. I want to bring my dad," or "I came back. I want to bring my neighbor," or the guy that sits next to me at the Eagles games. And 
So all the people that saw it last year came back with other people with them. And so we wound up selling out all 17 shows this summer, and it's been just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, and uh, but, but the wistfulness comes with knowing today is the last one and knowing today we're going to do a 3 o'clock show, and at the end of that show, it'll be over. And, I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds for Tommy and me, if, if it will continue on, if it will be brought back again. It may or it may not. Um, but I, I also know that that we, this is this is going to be the last performance with this cast. I just know we we've been really lucky that we've had the same actors, the same director, and the stage manager for the reading, and then for last summer, and now again for this summer. Every time we've gone, every time we've gone on the stage, it's been the same team every time. And I just know if we bring it back next year, that won't be the case. We're not going to be that lucky. The little, the little boy is probably going to be outgrowing his part. Now. Boy's starting to change a little bit. He is. You know, Simon is, he started, he was a little boy three years ago when we did the reading. Last year he was a little bit bigger, and this year he's bigger still. He was, we were able to get by this year. I, I don't know, that at the rate that he's growing, I don't know that next year he's going to be able to pass for a 10-year-old. Um, so I, I kind of have a feeling that today is going to be the last time that we do this as a group. And we've been, it's been this group from the beginning, uh, and today it's going to be the last time. Uh, and that that's going to be hard. I, I know that, um, I mean, almost every night that I've, I've sat in the back of the theater and watched it, I've had a lump in my throat because it's such an emotional experience for me just to sit through it again. But tonight it's even going to, but today it's going to be even more so because there is the possibility that it might be the last time. And that's, I mean, I'm thrilled with the success of it. I'm thrilled with the way people have embraced this story. But to see it uh, close tonight is going to be, uh, it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard. Well, I don't think it's going to be the la- it, it is going to be the last time for now. I certainly don't think it's going to be the last time. Uh, I think that you, Ray, uh, have created something that is going to be a permanent part of the Philadelphia um, cultural landscape, and I applaud you for that. It's not easy to create something. It's harder to create something that's got the kind of staying power. I think this will. Um, as you mentioned to me, and uh, as I know, there are many people who saw it last year who are going back to see it this year who will go back to see it the year after. There will always be new people to see it. The story is great. Um, it's well told. It's, it's, I mean, it's very well acted. Even if the actors change, I pr- imagine that would stay. But I think this thing is something that's, that's going to be running for years and years to come. I know yesterday Tommy McDonald's son was one of the people who came out. Um, that must be real special for you. I, you know, we know that Tommy's has not been well, but just to have his family uh, share it with you. Yeah, we were special. hoping that we're, you know, I, I've been in touch with Chris, who's his son, um, for the last month or so, discussing the remounting of the play and, you know, telling Chris that, that the family was certainly welcome, would love to have them come back and have Tommy come back because Tommy came last year to a performance with his four children and with all the grandchildren. And that was a real highlight, the day that he came, uh, how excited the audience was to be in the theater with Tommy uh, and to see his reaction to the play, which was tremendous. I mean, he loved it. He, he loved it so much. And then when the play was over, just standing in the theater and signing autographs for an hour, uh, that, was a, that was a wonderful thing. And I hope that he would be able to come back this year. He's just not quite up to it. But Chris came yesterday and uh, came to both performances and did the Q&A afterwards. And the audience, they had a chance then to talk to, talk to Chris about what this whole thing has been like for him and the family. And it was, that was really, really very nice. 
Well, I think it's great. And, and again, I applaud you. I know that uh, for you and everybody who's been working on this thing, it's been such a a labor of love, but a labor nonetheless. And when it ends today, it's going to be a very wistful time. Very you, wistful. So, so, again, just congratulations to you and Joe Canuso, the director, and to the, the cast led by Tom Teddy and to everybody who's been involved in it. Uh, it's just terrific. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, about two hours from now. Being in that audience, I brought an extra handkerchief, so uh-huh. I'm all set. Well, you're going to be, uh, and you're going to be handling the post-show Q and A with the audience, and uh, I'm glad that you're going to be doing it because you did it for the final performance last year. Ray, you'll, I know how to close things down. You'll do it again today, and the show is sold out technically, but there are there 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 have been some people that have come to the theater uh, on wait list uh, and waited till just before curtain, and if there's seats available, and there usually become a few seats available, people have wound up getting seated. So if you want to come out and wait list, you might be able to get in and see the show tonight. I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to have a heavy heart. I'm excited about it. I'm thrilled with it, but it's going, I'm not going to kid you. It's going to be a tough one today. I know it. I feel it already. I hear you, buddy. Yep. I'll see you there. Okay. All right. Jack Fritz produced today. Rob Cherry, Hollis Thomas coming up. Stay tuned for those guys. If you're on hold, stick around because I know they are looking forward to talking to you. Hey, the other day, my wife and I. Oh, okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.